Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens, with your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. Now let's join the conversation. Continuing this National Crawford Roundtable podcast for another week. Happy to be back with all of you folks. Uh, Bob Duco, John Rush, Roger Marsh, Neil Boron. Gentlemen, how are you? Great. Thanks, Bob. How you doing? Looking forward to another episode together. And this week, well, Afghanistan is still the big issue on people's minds. And so uh, it's a fluid situation. We're going to spend this week's episode talking about all the latest going on in Afghanistan as well. Uh, This week, of course, the big concern is – the amount of people that are going to be stranded over there that are currently stranded in Afghanistan. We're not just talking about thousands of American citizens. We're also talking about thousands, if not potentially tens of thousands, of Afghan citizens who risked their lives to help us to work with the U.S. military as interpreters, as aides, as guides, as everything else, as support people. And we told them, don't be afraid of the Taliban. We're the United States of America. We have you. We have your back. You don't have to worry about them. Joe Biden gets in office. What happens, of course, we bail out of Afghanistan. The Taliban has instructed us as to when we are to be gone. You know, we came up – the Biden administration came up with the date of August 31st after they changed it from the stupidly chosen September 11th. And this was already after changing it, pushing it back from Donald Trump's original May 1st date. But so – We come up with August 31st. The Taliban says you have to stick to August 31st. All your troops have to be out of there. That's it by August 31st. We will not accept an extension. There will be, quote, grave consequences if you guys are still here after August 31st. And what does the Biden administration do? They go, (laughs) well, okay. And and so they have decided we're not going to stay past August 31st. And how many Americans are going to end up being stranded now? We find out that there's close to 60,000 people that have been evacuated from Afghanistan already, but only 4,000 of them are American citizens. Joe Biden himself acknowledged that it's probably around 15,000 Americans that are in Afghanistan. So if we're not able to get them out, they are in fact stranded, even though Jen Psaki says, how dare you say they're stranded? They're really not. Yes, they are. Uh, and so to me, guys, I find this staggering that the United States of America is right now stranding our own citizens behind enemy lines outside the Taliban perimeter of the airport and we're not going outside the airport to get them. France is going to get their citizens. Uh, United Kingdom going to get their citizens. India going to get their citizens. But we are not going to get our citizens, the United States of America, leaving them stranded right now. And they're less than a week away from potentially being permanently stranded and officially becoming, quote, hostages. And we're already starting to pull our troops out. The troop withdrawal of the troops that are there now has already begun while we have who knows how many thousand American citizens uh, in behind enemy lines. And again, this doesn't even include the Afghans who have risked their lives to trust us that we would protect them from the Taliban and we're abandoning them too. I got to be honest with you guys. I, I find this 
offensive. I find that it's not just humiliating and embarrassing. And John, I'm going to start with you if we could. John Rush, Rush to Reason, of course, Denver, Colorado. Uh, to me, this goes beyond humiliation and embarrassment. This infuriates me that this is what the United States of America uh, is doing to American citizens and our allies whose lives are in danger. Your thoughts? I agree, but uh, Bob, you're going to be in trouble because Jin Saki says it's irresponsible to use that term. <laughs> right. And she told Peter Ducey that of Fox News, which is incredible. Somebody tweeted, I can't remember who it was, they tweeted, you know what's irresponsible? Stranding our yes. citizens in Afghanistan. Yes, yes but, exactly. Uh, yeah, where, where, where is the. Where's the no man left behind motto that I thought we as, oh. you know, a country and a military had? Is that not our motto any longer? It's, you know, you get your own rear end out of Afghanistan because we're not going to help you. Is that the motto now? Apparently it is. Apparently I mean, this is, is real. I, I'm like you, Bob. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sad. I'm not, you know, uh, uh, you know, grieving. I, I'm, I am ticked off. This whole right. thing has been handled. Well, you guys already know my feelings on this. This is a handover to the Chinese, and Joe Biden just keeps caving to, to the powers that be along those lines. But I, I just I can't believe that, and, and it is starting to happen. We can talk about this during the podcast, but the press is even starting to turn on this a little bit, saying, wait a minute, time out. I thought we had a no man left behind motto. I guess we don't any longer. Right. Uh, Roger Marsh, your take. And, and by the way, I don't know if any of you guys heard that uh, Fox News, it was Fox and Friends Tuesday morning. You had this woman, this mother in Afghanistan on the phone talking to Fox News live crying because she can't get out of there. She tried to get to the airport. This is an American citizen, by the way, uh, crying and pleading, saying, Mr. President, please help us, help me, okay? Uh, you know, I'm afraid, and the Taliban is beating me, whipping me if I try to get near the airport. And she's seeing people shot in the street, and she's scared, and she just wants to get back to her two children that are in the United States. That woman is one of who knows how many thousands of Americans that are in that situation, Roger, and I, I just I find it offensive. I do too. I mean, what in the name of Bo Bergdahl is going on here? Uh -huh. I mean, that's all I have to know. I mean, because we, we look at the great lengths that the United States has gone to rescue Americans, you know, no man left behind and everything, and, and the huge prices that we've paid in the past. The fact that the, the, the U.S. is literally going out with a whimper, and my heart goes out not only to the American citizens there and the, uh, the Afghan nationals who were supportive of what we were doing there, but also the men and women in the military who are there just basically watching them... Uh, Watching them run right over everything they're doing, and even watching our allies. You know, I mean, watching France and the UK doing everything they can to get their people out of there, and the US is there doing what? I mean, for we got twenty five hundred, let's take them out. No, we need seven thousand more to try to get everyone out. And oh, we're evacuating people. And try, I mean, this has to be from a PR standpoint, from a military diplomacy standpoint. I mean, th this is the worst kind of failure you've ever seen. And I'm just gobsmacked. I mean, I really honestly am that the Biden administration can be so uh, nonchalant about the whole the whole ordeal. I mean, we could, we, we'll probably spend a good part of this broadcast discussing the things that could have gone a little bit better and why they have gone as horribly wrong as they have. But I'm still kind of in stunned 
disbelief, and I, I, I think I'm offended with you guys too. I mean, and I, I just am, to I watch am. this happen. I mean, to, to our American citizens, to watch our military basically not only just laying down their weapons, but leaving them, putting them in the hands of terrorists. It's ridiculous. And then you got like Kamala Harris gets asked by reporters about this, and what does she do? She cackle laughs. It's like you've got to be kidding me. Oh, that cackle. Uh, oh, that oh. cackle. Oh, that's that why oh, she'll. That's that why, cackle. by the way, she'll never be president. I can't unhear that. I just can't. Okay, but what, you know what? Before we get to Neil, I have to. I got to ask you though, John. You say she'll never be president. Nope. You really think Joe Biden rides this out all the way yep. through his four years? The Democrats will make sure of that, even if they have to prop him up with a you know, like like you would in a morgue, one way or the other. That guy stays president till the end. They're and not Kamala Harris is going to get primary then in 2024. That's believe. right, because and because they know they made this is my feeling. They know they made a huge, huge mistake putting right. her in as VP. She's a total loose cannon. They finally have figured that out, and there's no way she becomes president under their watch. George so Soros Bob, would never allow that. Bob, you're saying it's President Bernie then all the way through the end of the term? <laughs> well, he, I don't know. He's too soon. He's a, he's a little left of center. Or he's a little right of center. He's a little too centrist for the uh, Democratic Party these days. Yeah. Okay. So he's only a socialist, okay? He's uh, not an out, no. he's not an admitted yeah. Marxist. <laughs> uh, Neil Boron, your just uh, immediate take, first of all, some of your immediate thoughts on, on what's going on in Afghanistan and, and our American citizens and our friends who have risked their lives being stranded, in essence, being abandoned. Well, I kind of think that the term nightmare comes to mind, but it's not really a nightmare because you wake up from nightmares and you realize they weren't true, you know, like they weren't actually happening. So the fact that this is just playing out in front of not only our eyes, but the eyes of the world is unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. You you used the word staggering earlier, Bob, and when I, I mean, what you meant to say was that it's astounding, and staggering was a perfect use of the word there, like that what's happening Mm -hmm. is staggering. But staggering is a good way to describe Joe Biden's, you know, character, posture, and demeanor right now. Like, like he's literally, I don't, I don't know that he remembers what he had for breakfast or could actually figure out what he wants for lunch. I'm, I'm serious, and I'm not trying to be nasty. Right. We talked about this like a year ago, when you know, when in the ramp up to the elections in 2020, that I've my my dad passed away from Alzheimer's disease. Many of us know and love people who've had dementia in the past. The man is not capable of running the United States of America. And there's two questions that come to mind. Like, what does he owe China? And what role is China playing in this behind the scenes? I'm not trying to be conspiratorial. I'm just saying the whole Hunter Biden scandal, all that. I think I mentioned this even last week. John brought it up eloquently last week. But the reality is somebody's providing influence here. And it's not all coming from Joe Biden. Like, I don't think he wakes up in the morning. It says, here's my policy on Afghanistan, and I'm not going to listen to any of my advisors. I don't think he's making any decisions. Somebody is behind the pullout of this thing, and it isn't Joe Biden. He's just Mm -hmm. the one who's going to take the heat for it. Yeah, that's a good point. I tell you what, let's take a short break. We'll pick it up from there next. More of the National Crawford Roundtable coming up. Be transformed by the Word of God with Alistair Begg and Truth for Life. Every weekday, Alistair Begg teaches the Bible through in-depth, verse-by-verse attention to the Word of God. You can listen to Truth for Life on your local Crawford Broadcasting Station or listen online at truthforlife.org. Please support this important ministry with your donations at the truthfullife.org website or by calling 888-588-7884 and be sure to let them know you heard about Truthful Life from the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Continuing this National Crawford Roundtable podcast with myself, Bob Duco, with Neil Boron, Roger Marsh, John Rush, uh, as we talk about the latest in Afghanistan. So it begs a question, guys, what what could and should have be, been done differently? I'm going to 
put on my MAGA hat here for a moment. I am convinced that none of this would be happening if Donald Trump were in the White House. If Donald Trump had won the election, and I say that in finger quotes with the whole side issues mm-hmm. with election fraud and such, but if Donald Trump had won the election and he were still in there, I do not believe in August, guys, we'd be talking about Afghanistan. I don't think the name Afghanistan would be in pretty much any news stories today. We wouldn't even be having that discussion. We would have back in May been celebrating the end of a long, painful war and it would have been perceived as a victory. It would have been, look, we went in there 20 years ago. The Taliban ruled Afghanistan. We left there 20 years later. The Taliban does not rule Afghanistan. ISIS is an afterthought. Al-Qaeda, who's heard of them in who knows how long? And uh, we have an allied government. They're not clean in all areas, but we have an allied government that works with us in Afghanistan, and the Taliban does not run Afghanistan. Therefore, we can leave with a sense of victory. It was long. It was painful. It probably should have been shorter, but the bottom line is The long war is over and the Taliban is still in their place. That's what I honestly believe would have happened on May 1st of this year if Trump were still in office. And and I want to lay out – and John, I'll start with you. The reason I say this is not just because I have some blind faith in Donald Trump. Uh, Donald Trump started the negotiations with the Taliban uh, back in August of 2019 and from a position of strength. Mm -hmm. That position of strength was you watched us destroy the ISIS caliphate. You watched us uh, order the death of Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi of ISIS. You watched us decimate you guys and push you back and kill thousands of you. You watched us order the assassination strike of Qasem Soleimani, the head of terrorist operations in Iran. You have watched us do this. And do not, do not mess with us. We'll actually negotiate peace and we'll pull out of there. But you guys... Better behave yourself. And for a year and a half, there was not one American death from the Taliban, not one. And when Trump left office, he had taken the troop level down from 15,000 down to 2,500. And 2,500, guess what? The Taliban, they weren't getting out of line. I believe if they had put a footprint outside of the territories that they're allowed to be in, that Trump would have torn up the agreement, decimated them with a bunch of military strikes, killed a few more hundred of them, and then said, now, you're going to do that again? We're leaving Afghanistan. You better obey, behave yourself because we can always come right back in. Mm-hmm. Uh, bottom line, he had Afghanistan under control and he had the Taliban uh, staying in their territory with only 2,500 troops there. And in such a short period of time, Joe Biden has squandered the entire thing. I don't think we'd be talking Afghanistan if Trump were still in office right now, but I'd love to get your take, John. No, and I agree. And, and the difference being, and I think this is one thing we need to remind you know, everybody out there listening, whether you're a you know, Trump supporter or not, whether you liked the guy, hated the guy. And, and, and by the way, Bob, I just want to add one more thing to this. All of you Christians and even conservatives out there that just couldn't vote for Donald Trump because he tweeted too mean and he said things that weren't right and he didn't do things the way that you thought he should do when it came to his, you know, quote-unquote, you know, Christian attitude, uh, I, hope you, I hope you now enjoy what you got based upon your votes. Anyways, Was it worth that, it? Was that, it you know, worth yeah, exactly. That, that, that's a whole other topic maybe for another day, Bob. But yeah. uh, the reason why, and I want to make sure I remind everybody of this, that it would have been different under... Donald Trump versus Joe Biden is Donald Trump 
owed no man anything and no country anything. He proved that in the tariffs and the things that he did with China. He proved that with what he did around the globe and just when he met with, you know, other leaders, you know, whether it be Putin or whoever, you know, he showed American strength through and through the entire time of his presidency. And again, he owed no other country anything. In this case, you asked earlier, Bob, what, you know, what's really the ultimate goal here? Well, I think we all know that not only does Joe Biden himself owe China a lot based upon his own family experiences with mm-hmm. Hunter and so on, but I believe there's a lot more individuals, much like uh, you know other types of scandals that have gone on inside the Democrat Party. You know, we can we can go through all of those maybe on another podcast as well. But the reality is uh, there are a lot of other individuals that are high up in the Democrat Party that owe China as well, and or will benefit from what China gets out of all of this when it's all said and done. Keep in mind, folks, the other thing we have to keep talking about also is this huge push for the Green New Deal. That huge Green New Deal has to be supplied by rare earth metals, which China will now own 90% plus of when it's all said and done. This is all about the money. It's the golden rule. The golden rule is the guy with the gold rules right now. That's China. That's so true. Uh, Roger, your take on this, and if Trump were in office right now, uh, we wouldn't have even made it to this point. We would have right. had the, the Afghan. Afghan would have been in the news back in May because, hey, the long war is over. But it would go in the history books as a victory, a longer victory than we expected. But the bottom line, we left there differently than we came in. We left there with ISIS gone, Al Qaeda pushed back, the Taliban not in control, and an ally in Afghanistan. That's how we would have left. That goes in the history books as a victory. Right now, this officially goes in the history books as a defeat in just a few yeah. months of Joe Biden. Yeah, it certainly does. And obviously, the fact that you know, people say, well, you know, Trump negotiated for May 1st. Well, he negotiated for May 1st because he figured he'd still be in office. I mean, they, he, why would he negotiate something like that without figuring that he would be there? Uh, Victor Davis Hansen pointed this out in an op-ed in Fox News. He said, look, the reason why Donald Trump with 2,500 soldiers is more effective than Joe Biden with 7,000 or 3 million in that area is because everyone knew everything you were articulating there, Bob. The fact that, that a, a Donald Trump presidency meant 2,500 troops, al-Qaeda is um, doing the right thing. Uh, ISIS is doing the right thing. The Taliban, everybody's behaving themselves because they know that he will strike. I mean, there's no right. question about it. It's not random. It's not haphazard. He he knew very well how to you know get into diplomatic relations. When they started in August of 2019 and they had a tentative deal and it smelled fishy, three weeks later it was over. That, that deal wasn't going to happen anymore. The, the fact that he, he acted so... Uh, in such a rogue fashion, I think, was somewhat refreshing. And quite frankly, that's the language that terrorists understand. They understand power. They understand right. strength. They understand force. And so when President 44 was out there saying, we're going to negotiate with Iran about a nuclear deal, everyone knew it was never going to work. The same thing here with Biden saying, well, you know, I, I've got to get this done. And it, it, you've even got then President Ghani, you know, back in June when they met in the White House saying, hey, look, don't do a mass evacuation. It's going to be chaos here. And, and, and but, well, you know, I mean, we, we, we won't do an evacuation then. We'll just leave. And then everybody will just kind of figure out where they're supposed to go. Mind boggling. And to John's points as well, China's in the background, got the toothpick out, cleaning out their teeth, you know, mm-hmm. flexing their fingers, just saying, thank you very much. This is exactly what we wanted. But the only way they were going to get it, I can't believe, I mean, I can, but I can't believe 
that the the American press is so blind to the fact that this week, as all hell is breaking loose in Afghanistan, their big story is: Did you get the jab yet? Because you know we all know that the the, the biggest problem on the planet right now is COVID. It has nothing to do with Afghanistan, yep. and yet it's pay no attention to the collusion that's going on back here. You know, Russia and China and Iran are all just you know jumping for joy. Well, they don't have to jump for joy because this was the script. And uh, you're right, forces greater than the American president. It's kind of weird to think that the American president being used as a puppet like this, but this is the world we're living in right now. And you know what? After the House passes this massive $3.5 trillion uh, camouflaged infrastructure bill, that's not what it is. It's massive, uh, big government. Uh, but uh, after doing what does Nancy Pelosi actually say yesterday? You talk about completely clueless to the optics. While this is going on, while thousands of American citizens are fighting for their lives being stranded, she actually says the words, uh, this is a great and proud day for America and for Democrats. This is a proud day for America and for Democrats. My goodness. Talk about disconnected. All right. Uh, Neil, want to get your take on this? Take a short break first. We'll continue next here on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Dr. James Dobson left a successful career in academia to preserve and promote the biblical family in America. The radio broadcasting ministry of Dr. Dobson spans over four decades, earning him 17 honorary doctorate degrees and an induction into the National Radio Hall of Fame. Today, Dr. Dobson continues to champion marriage and parenthood through Family Talk. Listen every weekday at drjamesdobson.org and be sure to reference the National Crawford Roundtable podcast when asked how you listen to Family Talk. Continuing the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with Roger Marsh of The Bottom Line from the People's Republic of California, John Rush, Rush to Reason, Denver, Colorado, myself, Bob Duco, out of Detroit, Neil Q. Boron, Neil Boron Live, Buffalo, New York. Uh, Neil, we've been talking about... uh, how things would be if I can do the Back to the Future Part Two alternate timeline, uh, you know, Biff's world. Let's just pretend Donald Trump is still president of the United States; that he never left the White House. I don't think we'd be talking Afghanistan right now. This would be in the history books as a victory that we celebrated back in May, and now we're on to new things, fighting the Democrats with their three and a half trillion dollar infrastructure bill. Well, it's obvious Donald Trump never liked losing. Uh, He talked an awful lot about winning, and he would have been making sure that we were not embarrassed on the world stage. Because I think, honestly, that this goes beyond just what's happening between the U.S. and Afghanistan. And I think, you know, barring uh, the intervention of God, that American citizens are going to lose their lives in this. Certainly Afghan citizens already have begun to lose their lives, those that for sure that were cooperative with our presence over the last 20 years or so. Um, But it it goes beyond just like the here and now. Like uh, World leaders, literally world leaders are saying, how can we ever trust the U.S. again? You know, you pulled up stakes in the middle of the the night and you ran for cover and you got out of town, got out of Dodge as fast as you can. That stuff isn't going to fly with other world leaders, especially if we're asking them to commit their own forces, their own lives, their own citizens to this kind of thing in the future. And I got to believe that as much as anybody at this point is trying to get out of Afghanistan, the terrorists are making reservations to get to Afghanistan to set up shop. You know, the future Al-Qaeda and ISIS people of the world, uh, we're going to watch just the opposite happening as far as them getting to Afghanistan, organizing and then spreading terror all over the world. What do we do right now? I mean, let's pretend hypothetically uh, that Donald Trump could somehow be reinstilled into the White House. And I know there are some conspiracy theorists in the audience who believe that that's going to happen before the end of the year. Well, with all due respect, no, it's no, it not. Isn't. I'd love it if it did. It's not going to happen. But but let's just pretend 
Neil, that that could happen. What do you think Trump would be doing right now? And what is the answer at this point? Okay, I don't know how much of the toothpaste we can get back in the tube, uh, but what what should we do right now? I, and I'll tell you, I fully yeah. admit, I don't think we have much of a choice but to flood troops back in there again yep. and and take on the Taliban and basically, for lack of a better way to put it, kill them back into submission, push the parameter back outside and, and basically retake Afghanistan and say we are – you are going to abide by our original right. peace agreement, period, inexcusable. And by the way, we're taking over uh, Bagram Airport and – we're going to – we're putting U.S. troops and paratroopers all throughout Kabul and Afghanistan looking – going through streets and door-to-door looking for any Americans that want to come out of there. And if you even remotely try to hinder us, we will kill you on the spot. Get back to our orig- – the original territory that was part of the agreement. And if we see you outside of the territory, you are being killed. I think that's the only thing that works. And at this point, it seems like that's what we would have to do. I don't have anything to add to that, but bottom line is they need to get the message that we call the shots, they don't. That's not the case right now. They think they're in charge. They think that they're pushing America around, and that's exactly what has to stop. And by the way, it would be wonderful if uh, President Trump could come back on a you know swan song kind of tour and say, hey, I'm back here to fix this problem uh, so that you know the world can be a safe place again. I don't think that's going to happen either, but the reality is anybody with a brain in their head who's who loves – Patriotism loves freedom, loves people, loves human beings. Could do a better job than what Joe Biden's doing right now. Uh, by the way, Roger, I'm curious if uh, I mean 2024 is what a couple years away. All right, two years from now, there's still going to be Americans stranded in Afghanistan. They're still going to be there. Does a Republican president, maybe Trump, but maybe DeSantis, does a Republican president two years from now? re-enter us into Afghanistan, a new Afghan war, to basically push the Taliban back to the original peace agreement in their territory and and reestablish a new government in Afghanistan? Or we just accept the fact that it's done and those American citizens are written off? A President Trump might, a President DeSantis possibly, a President or Vice President Haley would certainly change things uh, in terms of the negotiation power and, and the, the tough talk and the rhetoric. I mean, or I never no. imagined that a woman would have that kind of influence in the Middle East just because of their patriarchal system. But when she was U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations, she, on a daily basis, I mean, it seems like, was dressing down some Middle Eastern country and just and with stuff that she was, it wasn't talking points of the Trump administration. She was writing her own speeches. I mean, I, I really. The world will be such a different place in three years, you know, when all this is going on. And uh, if you remember back to the actual thing about the government shutdown of, uh, was the fall of 2013 and people think, ah, oh, this is the end of, you know, the Democrats and this, that and the other thing. And, and yet it was just kind of a, well, maybe it was and maybe it wasn't. I mean, people have very short memories right now. But I think quite frankly that there's room for that. And I would love to see, you know, something like that happen. We have to have a military that has some kind of strength because right now the only reason Joe Biden isn't being appeased is Kamala Harris and Nancy Pelosi are lined up waiting in the wings to take over so i mean quite frankly i mean how do you take something that's this bad and make it worse you impeach him and put one of those two in charge yeah that is true i'll tell you what folks uh, the second half of this national crawford roundtable podcast we're going to be getting into a lot more aspects of this the resurgence of isis of al-qaeda terror networks uh what happens from this point going forward there and certainly 
what's going on with Christians and Christian missionaries and former Muslims who have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior that are in Afghanistan right now. They are facing major persecution and threat of death. And so there's a lot more for us to discuss and talk about in the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast. You can listen to the second half online, everybody. You can go to crawfordmediagroup.net. You can also listen wherever you subscribe for podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. And more with Neil, Roger, John, and myself coming up in the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast. This has been a Crawford Broadcasting production. Continue in the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live, Buffalo, New York. Roger Marsh from the bottom line of the People's Republic of California. Myself, Bob Duco, Bob Duco Show out of Detroit. We're talking all things Afghanistan, the latest in the in the situation there. John, I am I am curious what uh, what you think about what we do with the stranded Americans. I have a bad feeling that Joe Biden, Jen Psaki and company, they're going to claim come September first, we haven't stranded every anybody. We got all of the Americans out of there who wanted to get out. Uh, we and we're going to see the reports that prove that's an absolute lie. But I think that that's probably what we're going to be told. They'll just flat out deny mm-hmm. that they yep. stranded Americans. I don't think they're going to be able to deny that they stranded Afghan allies that risked their lives and are now in danger. No, they'll just I, consider that a casualty of war basically yeah, is what they'll right. say. But, but, but they're going to claim that there are no Americans stranded. That's right. And then you're going to have to – you know, we're going to see Fox News and Breitbart and everybody else doing interviews over the phone with Americans that say, I tried to get to the airport for the last three weeks and I wasn't able to and now I am stranded. Don't tell me all Americans got out. Uh, but the mainstream media probably won't report those stories and will probably say, let's just swallow this pill – and move on to domestic issues now and uh, let's try to salvage Joe Biden's presidency here as best we can and then just move on. And those Americans are going to be forgotten. So my question, John, I'm, I'm curious your take on this. What do we do two years from now? Is two years from now, if a Republican president gets in there, a strong Republican president, I hate the idea of ripping the scab off of Afghanistan again two years later, but it seems like we have to if we're still going to have thousands of stranded Americans there being held hostage. Well, and not to you know change things completely around, Bob, but I think a bigger concern that I have is this relationship that the Afghani Taliban have with the Pakistani Taliban and the fact that the Pakistani Taliban would love nothing more than to overthrow that government. They also have nuclear weapons, which we all Mm -hmm. need to remember that I think at times we forget what Pakistan actually has and can do. So if we end up with the, with the Afghani Taliban influencing the Pakistan uh, Taliban enough to, and they've even got some allies inside of the, the Pakistan military as we speak. If those guys somehow or another get things figured out to where they not only control Afghanistan, but Pakistan as well, and then have nuclear capabilities, uh, Bob, I think it's a whole different conversation two years from now, because I'm not sure that the two years, uh, how should I say this? I'm not sure we make it two years in, in that, in, you know, in, in that end of things. In other words, something will have to happen far before that if what I just said ends up happening, which by the way, uh, is not out of the question. It's really not. And actually, John, if you think about it, it's not even just the Taliban. We still have ISIS rebuilding now. We have Al-Qaeda, which the mm-hmm. United Nations says has a presence right. now in 15 out of uh, 34 provinces in, Af- in Afghanistan. So you don't think ISIS, Al-Qaeda, 
and the Taliban, whether Pakistan or Afghanistan, you don't think that they're going to be plotting and planning the next 9-11 2.0, whether they get together on some of this stuff or whether they each have their own individual uh, 9-11 type plans. You know they're coming after the great Satan yeah, yeah, thank you, Bob, so, for, for saying that. I mean, I think, again, that's one thing we also need to remind all of our listeners of, which, by the way, we, we haven't heard much of this end of things, and I think a lot of that's due to what you said earlier when it came to, you know, Donald Trump, his strength, what he did even in regards to shutting down these, you know, radical Islamists that are running around wanting to literally rule the world. I mean, we need to remember what their core belief system is, which is, if you're not for them, you're against them, and you need to die, period, plain and simple. There, there's no other looking at this in, in, in any other way, guys. If you're a true hardcore Islamist, you believe the Quran and you believe that everybody else that doesn't believe like you should die. Am I right? Yep. That's their belief. It is. It, it's Sharia law, which, by the way, is in the in the Quran and in the Hadiths as well. Uh, so so why uh, anybody would think otherwise? Yeah, and so Bob, why anybody else would think otherwise and, and how this isn't leading into that, and, and I don't know how anybody out there, including the press, of course they're dumb as rocks, but how in the world you could not look at this and see some of these underlying things that are going on, and what I really, what I'm still trying to wrap my head around is the whole China-Islam relationship because, you know, China doesn't do well in that world, in fact, persecutes you know, those particular individuals in China. So I'm not sure how all that washes out, but I can tell you right now that China still has a huge fingerprint on all of this. And I'm not just, I'm just not sure exactly how that part of it fits together. Yeah, Gee, John, true. I wonder, I wonder if the folks at Disney are helping to navigate that for them, because I mean, with <laughs> all the Chinese persecution of the, uh, the Muslims there, uh, you know, just a thought. I mean, I'm just somewhat tongue in cheek, <laughs> but I mean, this make, politics makes for strange bedfellows. I mean, you have to wonder which American companies are working. I mean, when you've got uh, the true. reports of the two true. members of the house who flew in and actually mm-hmm. saw what was going on at the airport in Kabul and, and said, Hey, we flew back on an empty plane. Okay, we were sitting in cruise seats to make sure that people could actually get there. We saw, uh, what was it, uh, uh, Representative Moulton said, you know, I saw our Marines and, and our soldiers at the gates. They were working through this. They put a couple of pictures on social media. They said, this, this is the most undescribable thing I've ever seen. And we got back on a plane, sat in cruise seats to make sure that there were plenty of room for people to get out. And basically, we took off with no one. And and then got reprimanded right. by Nancy Pelosi for going because it was an un- unauthorized trip. We shouldn't be going there. And, and, and granted, there's a Republican and a Democrat here who are are really just blistering the Biden administration. Say, what are you guys doing? What what are you doing here in terms of this? Pl- there is no plan. There is no strategy. You know, I mean, we're talking rationally and and trying to talk sense into people that seem to have none right now. But Roger, aren't we though? Aren't we uh, in a position now where ISIS, Al Qaeda? And multiple Taliban's are just going to be building in strength and plotting and planning the next big nine eleven attacks against the United States. I, I got to imagine they're probably in talking stages of it right now. Just all right. Well, let's see. Well, what are some ideas? Throw some ideas on the table, everybody. Yeah, uh, broad daylight. Know, yeah, that's what it's yeah. going to be. It's, it's it's happening right in front. There, there's no mystery. Yes. There's no shroud in secrecy now. It's. I mean, as my I shared last week in the podcast, I talked to a doc, uh, Dr. Hamoz Shariat, who's uh, the Billy Graham of uh, Iran, and he said very matter of factly when he came out of Tehran. To to go to grad school at the University of Southern California in the early 80s, he, he went and he said, we, we knew that now that the great Satan had been defeated, I could go to school there and get an education or whatever. Just threw that out there very casually. And of course, he would never say that now, but that was the belief in Iran, was 
you know, with the whole Carter thing and the hostage crisis and everything like that, they they believed that they actually won. You know, Ronald Reagan kind of set them straight, but that was that was the idea. So uh, this is such a huge defeat on their. I mean, to win a game like this on their home turf and to have the U.S. leaving in humiliation and the parading with the in, the, the weaponry and all that stuff. I mean, why not? I, I'm sure it'll be televised. You know, the UN will probably host it for crying out loud. So wait a minute. Uh, yeah, Does anybody actually? believe that we're seeing the whole picture I, I i'm not hearing you guys say that by the way I, I think that we're all pretty skeptical but like seriously uh what if I'm, I'm not a conspiracy theorist either but i'm saying somebody's pulling the strings behind pulling these strings and it isn't joe biden joe biden doesn't just want to get us out of afghanistan so he can get out of building roads and bridges and the whole infrastructure deal like he's got some great domestic policy he wants to go after if we could just deal with this foreign policy thing so let's just cut our losses so so who is what 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 you know, multinational companies, who is pulling the strings? And and you almost wonder if people like AOC and the squad and, and people that are fanatical about the, the Green New Deal aren't cheering behind the scenes or perhaps even entering into some kind of a relationship with China we know nothing about to say, look, at, uh, we're in this together. Uh, you guys have access to the rare metals and uh, the precious, uh, you know, what do they call it, the, the rare earth metals. Um, and we'll just kind of follow your lead on this. And we're, we're okay with that. Like, we're going to get out of the way so that you guys can do what you need to do. And we're going to cooperate with you in some kind of a, you know, uh, economic future together to make the world a better place. It's going to be a happier – how many times have we heard that, right? Let's just all get mm-hmm. along. Uh, let's all sing Kumbaya. And yet, I don't know. It feels to me like you got a bunch of middle schoolers dealing with – uh, the Antichrist, literally, uh, on the world stage, behind the scenes, trying to make deals that they're never going to be able to see come to fruition. I don't know. Right. Something something bigger is happening in this whole thing. Well, don't forget, the Taliban did say they're going to be a kinder, gentler Taliban. So sure, we, right. We can, yeah, we can, of, of course, course they are. We can, of course, trust them. Let's take another quick break. We'll pick it up from there next, here on the National Crawford Roundtable. Learn how to walk the narrow path with Steve Gray. With over 40 years of studying the Bible, Steve Gregg is passionate about teaching you how to apply scriptural wisdom to every aspect of your life. Listen to The Narrow Path on your local Crawford Broadcasting Station or online at thenarrowpath.com. The Narrow Path is 100% listener supported. Please keep this vital ministry going with your generous financial support and let them know you heard about The Narrow Path on the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Continuing the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, John Rush, Roger Marsh, Neil Boron, myself, Bob Duco. Uh, I'm curious to get you guys' take uh, just emotionally about something. Because we look at things logically, factually, and, and such, and we should. But I got to admit, guys, uh, and Roger, I want to start with you. I find it personally offensive, not just the leaving Americans over there. We talked about that before. But when I see some of the propaganda images that the Taliban is putting forward, to see them wearing United States military fatigues because they also have access to our warehouses of clothing over there. So now they're putting on our soldiers' uniforms, mocking us, taking pictures of themselves, sitting and smiling in our Humvees, our tanks, uh, our military equipment, $83 billion worth, mocking the president of the United States by holding up ice cream Mm -hmm. cones because we know he's known for that. But then especially that Iwo Jima mocking photo uh, of them wearing U.S. military fatigues, raising up the Taliban flag, uh, mocking Iwo Jima. I just – I look at this and I think these are the terrorists 
who have ordered us out of you get out by August 31st. We will not accept you being here after August 31st. And we're obeying them while asking permission to please let our American citizens into the airport we know, when we know that they're not. To see them doing that, I, I just I, – I mean, Roger, Rob, I'm, I'm I, a left-brain guy, but this is really emotional. It's just irritating I agree. If I were president, yeah. the first thing I would do – you asked earlier, what would I do if I was president? The first thing I'd do if I was president is get all of my SEAL, special forces, whoever else I needed, and I would put a bullet in every one of those guys' head in that picture. Yep. That's right. That's where I'd start. It's, it's you know, offensive. It, it really is. And, you know, it, it's the same type of thing we see when, you know, you're watching those uh, cop and robber movies and the, the bad guys break into somebody's home and they, you know, they, they uh, bind up the, 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 the family members and, you know, then they go on the video and say, hey, look at me, I'm sitting at your desk. Look at me, I'm in your kitchen, you know, this, that, and the other thing. But, you know, I, I, what, what is so interesting to me in the disconnect, I mean, you talk about the emotion that was behind this. I, I'm wondering where the Democrats are with regard to the disconnect between those images and us seeing these soldiers doing what they're doing. And all of the reports from the January 6th commission. Remember mm-hmm. how offended everybody was? Look at these right. people storming into the Capitol. Look at these people sitting at Nancy Pelosi's desk. Look at these people taking all these pictures. They're desecrating this place. Okay, and you can have your opinion on that. It was a bunch of fool-hearted, you know, nincompoops who were running around there, you know, wreaking havoc. They were frustrated. I mean, they, they were looking for answers, and they, they thought they were going to find them there. But... Why would there? I mean, you still got AOC saying, "I was fearing for my life," even though she was nowhere near that. Where is mm-hmm. the outrage? Where, where is? The, I mean, it's almost as if, and I'm talking about Republicans and Democrats alike. Where is the outrage? I mean, is the fear of of the Taliban, is the fear of Al Qaeda and ISIS emerging so great that these people just have nothing to say? I mean, whatsoever. There are some strong Republican voices in the House and the Senate right now, who have virtually been silenced over the past couple of years. And I, I, I'm curious as to where these guys are, where they were and where they are right now. Are they just Is re-election going to be so difficult for them in the 2022 midterms that they think mm-hmm. they can't really speak their piece? Is this such a brave new world? Is it was so, so inconceivable that something like this would happen that they would no one could have ever imagined? I know that for the four of us here, none of us ever could have imagined when we were growing up that you would see terrorists doing this with U.S. equipment, uh, basically in U.S. territory. Territory and openly mocking for all the world to see without fear of recrimination. Yeah, you know, it's actually a really good point. And I mean, the, the point you're making here about why are they so offended that here's somebody in Nancy Pelosi's speaker chair. OK, fine. Those people were idiots, but they're not offended at least as much, if not more, about terrorists wearing U.S. military uniforms and doing an Iwo Jima photo shoot and sitting in our military equipment. And why doesn't that infuriate AOC? Why doesn't it infuriate these Democrats that were so offended by January sixth? It's no. I think that's a. I think that's a very, very good. Well, question. And, you know, and guys, throw this out. Which I know. Again, we can talk about probably at another later podcast. We keep saying that, but there's so much to talk about. You know, keep in mind we just had you know quote unquote because it's really not full of. It's not really an approval, but that's another topic later. But you know, we had FDA approval yesterday of one of the vaccines. There's so much, in my opinion, deception going on on that end of things to really distract from the conversation we're having today. And I think all of that's done on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but wait a minute, because that deception is going on in every aspect of our society. Like, I mean, we've done podcasts in the past. We've had conversations about AOC and the squad and their hatred for America. And ultimately, uh, 
probably without directly saying it, but, you know, saying that America is the problem. Like, we need to right. dismantle. Oh, they believe uh, that. Sure. Oh, of course. So, so, and, and why, the reason you're not seeing the outrage is because this is how they feel. This is what they right. think. They're That's probably right. actually gloating over those photos. It's, you know, it, it just, I don't know. I, maybe it's just, it's the American in me that is just so furious that we can be taunted this way. And that we're letting them do it. I guess well, that's what really just blows my mind. Hopefully, real Americans, patriotic Americans, will agree in the midterm elections and in the next presidential election and do something about it. Because if not, we're toast. The United States isn't going to be around for long with this kind of thinking, this kind of mentality, and these kind of decisions. Yeah. Well, it's and this is ushering in a whole new age of of terrorism. It's terrorism chapter two. Uh, and what's so interesting is you think about the four years of Donald Trump, not to go on MAGA again on everybody, but uh, for four years of Donald Trump, ISIS became an afterthought. I mean, go back and look through uh, – so did the Taliban, so did al-Qaeda. Go back and look through the news story headlines for the last three years of Donald Trump's presidency and you see hardly anything about the Taliban or ISIS or al-Qaeda or Islamic jihadi terrorism, hardly anything about it uh, because for the most part, we didn't have to worry about that. He ended up right. negotiating not one, not two, not three, but five Middle East peace deals uh, with Israel and Muslim nations in the Middle East. And so to, to, to think about where we were and, of course, energy independence, by the time he left office, we were not buying one drop of oil from Saudi Arabia. Now we're begging OPEC to increase production so that we can get some more to try to bring our prices down, hopefully, at the pump. Uh, it, to, to me, it is insane. But I, I guess I just can't help but wonder, where are we now going to be a few years from now regarding terrorism? And I don't see where we have any choice but to once again aggressively uh, take on uh, a new war on terror because the the cockroaches have been released out from under the stove and now they're getting ready to run all over the the living room again and we have to go back to war to kill a whole bunch of them it just infuriates me that we had him for the most part in check at least temporarily so uh it is a new day coming let's do this another short break and then we'll pick it up from there next here on the national crawford roundtable dr michael yusuf leads the way for people living in spiritual darkness to discover the light of jesus christ this tremendous outreach begins with the proclamation of god's word through the uncompromising biblical teaching of dr michael yusuf leading the way is here to equip and strengthen the church to stand strong and to advance the gospel in today's ever-changing world Listen to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Yusuf at ltw.org slash listen. And be sure to mention you heard about their program on the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Continuing the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Uh, kind of winding down our time together here with uh, John and Roger Roger and Neil and myself, Bob Duco, talking about all things Afghanistan. Uh, one, of the, one of the real concerns here as well, guys, and I'd like to throw this out on the table, is... Uh, what life is like for Christians, the persecuted church. We know that Christians are persecuted large in places like North Korea, China to a lesser extent, but still there, South Sudan, uh, places like Pakistan and Afghanistan. They were already persecuted in Afghanistan before the Taliban had control. 
But uh, th- they claim they're going to be a kinder, gentler Taliban, but I, I think we all know it's not going to be the case. Uh, right now, as we speak, as we talk on this podcast, guys, and Neil, if I could start with you on this, uh, get kind of a pastor's perspective. Right now, as we speak, Neil, you have Christians in Afghanistan that are basically having Taliban busting in their doors because someone told them that, uh, hey, that might be some Christians there. And these are mostly former Muslims, Neil, that are now brothers and sisters in Christ. They have to hide their Bibles. They have to hide their crosses. And they're scared to death that if the Taliban finds any evidence whatsoever that they're a former Muslim turned Christian – they're going to be executed. Uh, this is what the Taliban does. It's a death penalty for that. And what a tough decision for those Christians to have to face because you know they're being asked, uh, are you still Muslim? Recite the Shahada. And then they're like, oh, what do I do? Do I cross my fingers and say, you know, there is no God but Allah and and – hope that God will forgive me or do I just go ahead and let myself and my children take a bullet? Uh, you know, We can talk tough here in America, but we don't have to face things like this, Neil. All we have to face is am I going to allow myself to get embarrassed and laughed at at work? Uh, but over there right now, we've got brothers and sisters in Christ that are making these real life and death decisions. What does it mean to – am I really turning my back on Jesus if I just say what they want to hear? Uh, or do I need to go ahead and be martyred right now with my family? We need to be praying for them. Hundred percent. And you know, I I don't know how you guys feel about it, but like for instance, I've got a problem with crabgrass in my backyard right now. Like the, the, <laughs> well, the, the, the yard. No, my point. My point is like the, the yard looks pretty good, except for that one area where the crabgrass seems to be taken over. And I get annoyed and uh, you know upset about it, like it's a big deal. There are people all over the world who are being persecuted for their faith, some losing their lives for their faith, and it's so easy to just overlook that. Like that when we pray, you know, it's God, thank you for the meal. I'm hungry. Let's eat. And right. um, as believers, we have to take more seriously what's really going on in the body of Christ. And I think what comes to mind is Ephesians six twelve that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Um, there's something way beyond what we see on the surface going on. And it's the enemy who came to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his mission. That's his plan. Satan wants to destroy everybody. By the way, including the Taliban. He hates everyone. But he's using the Taliban to come against Christians, to come against other people. Uh, you know, same thing happening in our own streets here in America when you see hatred playing itself out. You know, people are killing each other over who knows what, just because of gang rivalries and whatever. But that's the effect of sin. And Jesus came to set us free from all that. We know what the truth is. We know what the answer is. And I believe it's our responsibility in this darkness that's described in Ephesians 6.12 to shine the light of Christ. And to do that by praying fervently, in some cases fasting. I mean, I really honestly, and I'm not saying this is a, a slam on any believers, because the church of Jesus Christ is God's plan to reach the world. So, I mean, this was his plan. But, you know, how many churches on Sunday, individual local bodies of believers, took time to pray for Afghanistan? I bet it was a really small number. 
So we get concerned about these things in news reports, but in reality, do we actually care or do we care about the crabgrass in our backyard? And I stand convicted on that. I started praying with my wife this last week for what was going on in Afghanistan, and we've been praying on a daily basis. But that's one week out of our whole lives that we've really spent for praying about this kind of thing. At times over the years, we prayed uh, for people being persecuted in other countries and losing their faith, you know, martyrs for Christ. But uh, just really in little pockets, little windows. That's not been my mentality overall. And I think God's speaking to the church, those who are able to do so, to say, we have to take this more seriously because it really isn't just about us and our own little personal lives. It's about the body of Christ, the kingdom of God, and the enemy who wants to destroy all people. Mm, so true. I, I tell you what, let's uh, – John, I want to ask you about this, and, and then Roger, if we could kind of close it out with you because I, I'm – I think it would be great, Roger, because you're a pastor as well as Neil, and and uh, I just love it, Roger, if uh, you as pastor would maybe uh, close out the uh, podcast today in prayer for the Christians uh, that are in Afghanistan, our brothers and sisters in Christ. But uh, Roger, before we come to you, John, your take on what's happening right now, the, these are brothers and sisters mm-hmm. in Christ that are facing decisions that, as I mentioned before, here's what we have to put up with at work. Somebody listening right now is like, oh, are are you one of those born-again Jesus freaks? And it's like, oh, boy, you know, I'm going to really get embarrassed and laughed at if I I wear my faith on my sleeve. Uh, We got believers in Christ that are having guns held to their head, okay? Are you a Christian or no? Right. And... These are really tough decisions that they they're are. having to make right now. They are. Yeah, Charlie, my, my uh, engineer and I were talking about this before the show yesterday where their stories, and I, again, I, don't, I can't verify these, but it would not surprise me where, you know, they're going in and even asking to see people's phones. And is there a Bible app, you know, mm-hmm. on the phone? Right. And if so, then that's one of the leading indicators of, you know, the direction things will head. And so, you know, Charlie and I were at, you know, we're saying that, if, you know, if you, if you had time and you knew they were coming, would you delete the app or would you leave it on there? And, and these are really deep questions that frankly guys you know i don't have the answer to i'm I'm not in that situation you know one side would say you know yes you're going to stand for your faith and and you know suffer those consequences on the other hand if you're somebody that's a leader of a home and you've got multiple people to care for and there's others even around you that you know you're responsible for you know and, and if you and if you stay alive you've got a better chance of saving them than if you're dead i mean these are really deep discussions guys that you know i do not have the answers for other than what Neil said a moment ago, you know, all I can do from this distance is, is pray, pray for those individuals that, as you say, Bob, are our brothers and sisters and the, the anguish and the things that they're going through, you know, what, what I have to go through on a daily basis. And Neil, to your point, it really is trivial compared to what these individuals are going through daily. And I think it's just a constant reminder to us here as American Christians that we should be very, very thankful for what we have. We should be willing and and we should want to carry on with that and keep that that way in this country, by the way, because we're we're at risk of losing that as well. And, And yet at the same time, remember those that are suffering right now under this persecution. That's right. Uh, Roger, as a, as a pastor, some of your thoughts and observations on what Christians are going through right now, and then if you could just kind of close us out in, in prayer. Sure. I'm sure that the, uh, the, the new Christians, our brothers and sisters in Christ who are converted out of Islam and delivered into saving grace uh, by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, are, are right now, uh, they're going through you know excruciating suffering, and at the same time understanding that they don't 
see the Christian faith the way we do. You know, we, we've grown up in a culture where our faith in Christ was very measured, it was very ordered, and it was also pretty comfortable, too. I mean, in terms of where we were able to, to, to worship and how we were able to uh, serve God compared to other parts of the world. Mm-hmm. I was talking with a guy who's a special counsel with the UN uh, many years ago, a guy that named Norm Nelson. He was part of Compassion Ministries. And when we first started doing the Bottom Line show, Norm was a regular guest, and he used to talk about, uh, with great disdain, how, you know, Operation Iraqi Freedom, and shock and awe and all the things that happen were so bad for the church. And finally, I looked at it and said, well, why would they be bad for the church? He goes, look, just because it's good for America doesn't necessarily mean it's good for the church. I mean, the Christians there were under uh, tremendous uh, authority of, uh, you know, uh, of these horrible rulers, you know, these dictators, and yet they had a they, they could thrive and flourish uh, in that kind of pressure. Now that those guys are out of the way and that the real terrorists are running the show, they're all of a sudden being, you know, headhunted and, and things of some of the things that are happening right now. And some of the advances in modern technology, like with mobile phones and devices, are leading us to a point where, it, unfortunately, where it was easier to be a Christian and kind of keep it under wraps, now you're a lot more trackable and traceable. So you, you go from being able to worship God in the shadows to being fully exposed and there really is no, uh, there is, quote unquote, no way out. But my encouragement to us here in the States, as we're watching what's happening here, is, is to remember that we are one body of Christ, and when there is pain in any one part of your body, in the same way I was thinking about every time I get together with my grandson and we're building Legos and we're building trains and there are you know little marbles and things all over the house, if I don't see something that Isaac left on the floor and I step on it, even the smallest little pain in my foot shoots all the way through my whole body. And the, the, the pain that they're experiencing right now, the, the, the persecution, the suffering, can't be overlooked. It, it has to be front and center uh, for where we are in terms of our prayer life. And so why don't we just come before the Lord right now on the throne, the four of us and everyone listening to this podcast. Um, he- Heavenly Father, thank you for being a God who hears our prayer. That, thank you for sending a Savior who is a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Um, there are so many times when we look at what the problems are in this life, and the problems really are that we might have to endure some pain, and we might have to endure some suffering. If Jesus could bear not only the physical torture of going to the cross, being nailed to it, being whipped and beaten, crowned of thorns, the whole shot, and then have to suffer the indignity of bearing the weight of the entire sin of all mankind for all of eternity on his shoulders right there, I think physically we can endure a little embarrassment from people asking us, are you a Christian, and giving us a dirty look. And I pray, Father, that we would get over ourselves as American Christians, as Western Christians, and remember that our new brothers and sisters are coming to, to, to you in droves. In this area right now, we, we don't, we're, it not, it's not lost upon us, the fact that Afghanistan is a hotbed for Christian conversion right now, and the enemy knows it. And so we look at the political battles and we talk about the struggles that uh, our president's facing with other leaders and terrorist organizations. We understand that that's just the players on the stage, but what's happening behind the scenes is the battle of good and evil and you rescuing and redeeming your children back to you. So, Father, please continue to protect our brothers and sisters as you bring them into the fold. For as long as their life here on earth is, we know that this is just a vapor. This is just a blade of grass. This is just something that comes and goes. But eternity is forever. And the whole separation between the good and the evil right now, Father, we're praying that you would strengthen them, that you would equip them, that you would bring more to your heart in this time where you're redeeming that area spiritually. Father, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Roger. Uh, yeah, folks, be don't just don't just pray along with us right now. 
but be praying regularly for the Holy Spirit to move throughout Afghanistan and that God would protect the people there and prepare them and give them boldness and courage as well. It's, it's, a, it's a difficult thing that believers there and around the world are going through. Okay, But Jesus Christ never stops being Lord, and we always remember that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we don't store up our treasures on earth. We store them up in heaven. Sometimes we lose sight of that. So uh, keep everybody in Afghanistan in your prayers, everybody. Uh, And, uh, guys, it's always great catching up with you. Look forward to next week, John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. Of course, Roger Marsh from the bottom line out of California. Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live from Buffalo, New York. Myself, Bob Duco out of Detroit. Gentlemen, great catching up with always. Looking forward to next week's episode. Thank you, Bob. No, thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. And uh, don't forget, everybody, you can listen to uh, previous episodes on CrawfordMediaGroup.net or wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. So thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you all next week. God bless. This has been the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Download and subscribe to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Apple users can rate the podcast, and we'd appreciate your five-star rating. National Crawford Roundtable Podcast returns with a new discussion each week. Be sure to watch for the notification on your podcast app. This has been a Crawford Media Group production.